0: Guys, we have a special opportunity this weekend. We are talking about missions, and we get to be missionaries. We don't have to go to another country. Guys, all we have to do is show up here, and the reason I say that is, I believe this weekend has been our experience in the past, people will come to see the power force, and see their presentation and to hear the Gospel. And we'll have an opportunity to be around people that will hear about the Lord. And that makes us missionaries to be near those people and to talk with those people. And, and so I'm just encouraging you, if, if you can come, come to uh, as many of those as you can over the weekend because it gives us an opportunity to be missionaries, to be with these people. We don't have to go to them. They'll, they'll be here see the presentation. And we're going to have 5 o'clock tonight, we're going to have a, a training for counseling. We want to be able to talk to them about the Lord. And there's no greater joy than to have that opportunity to be able to see God working in somebody's life and to sit down and talk with them. And so at 5 o'clock here at the church, we'll, we'll have a time. We have a counseling guide this year. Guys, we'll have it where if you just, like me, occasionally go brain dead, you can even highlight the decision they've made and even and read that to gain some comfort and confidence. But I encourage you, if, if you have any desire to help with counseling, we'll have that here. And uh, Tuesday, we're going to go out like we've done for the block party and put some flyers and some uh, newspaper boxes and to leave with people in the community. And we won't have church here Wednesday because um, we want to encourage people to come be missionaries during that time. So just encourage you to come and be a part of that. I, I believe we'll have a great blessing. I'm grateful we have the opportunity to do this and that God will work. This morning it is Christmas time, and you know, with the power force this weekend, and then the next weekend, Terry and Samantha will be here. Just a lot of blessings. And then um, the next week we have Alan being ordained as a deacon, and of course, with the holidays. And then, uh, of course, Christmas is wham—you know, just a busy time. And then cantatas and children's programs and all good, great blessing kind of stuff. But I thought, you know, wow, Lord, got to be some time in there to talk about Christmas. So I asked God. I said, "What? Uh, what do you? What should I talk about?" And you know, we're in between trying to do some kind of series on something. And I thought about the Lord spoke to my heart about the hope. What Christmas is really about—the hope. And so, one phrase came to my mind that's I believe through the whole Bible, through the beginning, all the way to the end. And the phrase is, He is coming. That's what's on my heart. And that's what I want to share this morning as we look through the Scriptures. He is coming. He is coming. And so, um, I don't have a... A central scripture to read. As a matter of fact, let's let's do one. Uh, stand, let's look at Isaiah nine six. We'll read that one. Stand in God's honors and we'll read Isaiah nine six. For to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Lord, here we are, a ragged bunch, but our hope is in a Savior. Savior who hanging from a cross said, It is finished. He didn't say, I am finished.
1: He said, It is
0: finished, because You weren't finished, Lord. Lord Jesus, You rose from that grave. Lord Jesus, You ascended to heaven. Lord Jesus, You sit at the right hand of the Father and You pray for us. You are the Savior. You are the hope of the world. And we are so grateful, God, that we are not alone, that we are forgiven. And Father, that You want to share that message to anyone here today who doesn't know it. That You're not a God who's out to punish. You're a God who wants to save. Who wants to forgive. Who wants to set things right. And so Father, I pray that You might speak this morning as we take a little time and look at the simple truth that You said throughout the whole Bible, He is coming. And I pray, Lord, that we be moved and I just pray that you work in us and Lord Jesus uh, if your spirit doesn't speak there's just a crazy preacher trying to say something and we need a lot more than that we need you so I just ask for your anointing and I ask that you speak It's in your name we pray amen Um, I've shared before with you guys but uh Growing up, my dad worked three jobs and my mom was sick and she was on some real strong medication and she slept a whole lot. And so, um, you know, I was by myself a whole lot. There weren't a whole lot of kids around. Um, And so I had quite an imagination. I developed uh, an imagination. I remember a friend of mine used to come over and he'd you know, spend the night and he'd, he'd want me to tell stories and, you know, Sit there, tell stories till one of us would fall asleep. And I remember, uh, as a, years later, as a teenager, somehow I ended up with this shirt. It was a hand-me-down, I guess, it came from a yard sale or something. And it was a sports jersey. I can't even remember the number on it. I know it was a blue sweatshirt. Well, I made up this elaborate story that this sweatshirt belonged to my cousin James. And man, the more I got telling this story about James, the crazier it got. You know, when you start a lie, you got to keep covering the lie up and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And man, this guy got bigger than life. And, and the other guys would come around, tell me about James, you know, and I'd just make up a bunch of other stuff. And James got bigger. And things were going okay with that until one day, this guy that I knew named Randy, he came by and he said, Hey Todd, he said, man, that shirt, that used to be mine. I gave that away at the yard sale or something. Like, uh oh, so you know, I just kind of hung my head, you know. And the guys were like, "What? What? That's not James' shirt." And and you know, they kind of figured it out. And I said, oh, "Sorry, guys." You know, I had I had this deep need, man, for other people to say. Todd knows somebody and, and, you know, he's hung out with somebody that's somebody. <laughs> and, and so I made up this tale because I wanted the attention that James wasn't real. He was just in my mind. <laughs> but the hope I'm here to share this morning, praise be to God, is that Jesus is not just something made up by a boy that's hungering for attention. Jesus is not just a legend. Jesus is not just a story. Jesus is God's promised one. That God sent because He loves you. Jesus is real. And, and I want to look this morning, um, guys, at uh, four different aspects of the fact He is coming. Uh, just looking at some different Scriptures. And the first one I want to look at is, He is coming, devil, Satan, you are doomed. And and so we start there in Genesis uh, chapter Uh, 3. Actually, as you look at it, you know, the Scripture tells us that uh, you and I are um, dust bunnies. kind of started out that way. God took the dust of the earth and, you know, He formed a man and He formed a woman. And, And so, you know, before you get too high an opinion of yourself, just remember, man, you're a dirt clod down deep. But God took you, and he shaped you in his image because He loves you. But there was this serpent the Bible talks about, and man, he was a sly dude. He was deceptive. and he came and and he he tricked Adam and Eve, and he he told them, he said, "There is this knowledge that you can have." there is an understanding that you can obtain where you'll be like God. If you'll just do this one thing God said, do not do and eat of this forbidden fruit. And you guys, you know the story. You know the account. <laughs> they ate of the forbidden fruit and sin entered the equation. And man, life as it was meant to be was no more for... Adam and Eve, and then God brought His judgment, and and He spoke. He spoke to that old serpent, <laughs> and uh, He said to him in Genesis three fifteen, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. What's he talking about? When he says strike his hill, he's talking about the fact that he'll strike the hill of mankind. What's he, what's he saying? I believe he's saying that while he's here, man, he'll cause a lot of damage and he'll cripple a lot of people. He'll cripple their relationships. He'll cripple their hopes. He'll cripple many of their opportunities because that serpent, Satan, he is a crippler. That's what he does. Man, he wants to destroy what is good, what is God. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I remember years ago when the kids were small, we went to the Asheville Wildlife Refuge that they had. I can't remember the real name of it. And man, they had all kinds of animals. And I remember we went to this one cage and there was a mountain lion. And this mountain lion... Walked back and forth, back and forth, looking at the kids, man, like they were a tasty meal, you know. And I could look at those eyes. And it, as, as, this, as this thing paced back and forth, you know, I thought, man, if there were no bars there, I know where they'd go. They'd get some food. And it'd be my young'uns. And I was so grateful for that cage separating us and that mountain lion. The Bible describes the devil as one who he's prowling around and he's waiting for the chance to pounce and to bring misery. And ultimately, to keep us from the hope of Jesus Christ so that we'll be separated from God for all of eternity. But you know what? Jesus, the coming one, He is coming. And God said here way back then, He said He's coming and He is going to crush the head of the devil, of the serpent, of Satan. That this guy's gonna be taken care of once and for all. That's our Lord. That's the one who's coming. Isn't that great? What a hope, guys, that we have. Um, Revelation 20 verse 10. Yeah, what a, what a great verse. Let's put up with the devil all throughout the Bible. We read about him and say, man, you, you are an aggravation. We come to 20 verse 10. And this is, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. They'll finally be out of our hair. And I believe the, the promise here, he's saying, he is coming and he's going to take care of that serpent. He's going to take care of that devil and it'll be over. That's a hope. Alright, second promise here I'm going to look at. He's coming, have hope, center. I want to look at the account of Abraham as we go further on in Genesis. The account of Abraham and his son Isaac, as they, in Genesis 22, it says that sometime later Abraham was tested and he was with his boy, Isaac. Man, the sun rose and set on that boy, Isaac. That was his boy. Abraham loved him more than anybody. That's what the test was about. So they carried what was needed to have a sacrifice at the top of the mountain. And you pick that up in uh, Genesis 22. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I will tell you about. Man. What a command! I I can't imagine the agony of Abraham as he heard this command from God. And he had learned to listen to God. The Bible calls him God's friend. And he heard this. He must have thought, no way, God. And, And so we read, early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, took with him two of his servants, his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We'll worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac and himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son. My son? The the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Abraham believed God would provide. God will he'll come through. This has to be a test, not my son. And so they marched up together, <laughs> and it comes time for the sacrifices he he 's about to plunge that blade into his boy, and he hears this from an angel: "Do not lay a hand on the boy, do not do anything to him now I know that you fear God because you 've not withheld from me your son, your only son." Abraham looked up and there, in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering. Instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day he said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Fast forward. It's time for sacrifice again. God says once again, sacrifice the son. But it's his son. And this time, His Son is the Lamb. This time, His Son is the provision. This time, He gives what is most precious to Him so that the penalty might be met, so that forgiveness might be real. And that's the gospel. That's our Lord. Take hope, sinner. (laughs) He's coming. And He's come. Amen. He's come. Um, I found this poem on the internet, (laughs) it says it well. Mary had the little lamb who lived before his birth, self-existent son of God from heaven, he came to earth. Mary had the little lamb, see him in yonder stall, virgin born, son of God, to save man from the fall. Mary had the little lamb, obedient son of God, everywhere the father led, his feet were sure to trod. Mary had the little lamb crucified on a tree. The rejected Son of God, He died to set men free. Mary had the little lamb. Men placed Him in the grave, thinking they were done with Him. To death He was no slave. Mary had the little lamb ascended now as He, all work on earth is ended, our advocate to be. Mary had the little lamb, mystery to behold. From the Lamb of Calvary, a lion will unfold. When the day star comes again of this be very sure it won't be the lamb like silence, but with a lion's roar. Have hope, sinner. Alright, all right, third here. I know how to move on here. He's coming, look out enemy. <laughs> throughout the Old Testament, throughout the scriptures, we hear about the day of the Lord. And and guys, you know, I believe we ought to be positive and whenever, and I'm you know, I'd much rather preach about Jesus than you know preach against everything. But the fact of the matter is Jesus is God's way. And to the one who fights with all of His life and all of His energy and all of His heart against Jesus and the way of God is in trouble. Because you pitch yourself against the living God and that's not where you want to be. I don't care if you're an extremist Muslim who wants to kill everyone who calls themselves a child of God through Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're an activist... Uh, in any other area, homosexuality or whatever, where you're trying to mock those who who live for Christ or, or those of the humanist persuasion or whoever, whenever you set yourself up against Jesus, whenever you fight against Him, it's a losing battle. And the day of the Lord talks about this. Here's a couple of verses. Isaiah 2.11 The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and human pride brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. 13.9 See, the day of the Lord's coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy sinners within it. And then we drop down to First Thessalonians 5. We're told, now brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. It's not my place to bring the judgment. It's not my place to cut people off. It's not my place to have a hate or a vengeance. But it's coming. My job is to pray for them. My job is to help God. Help me to see them as those that need a Savior. And, 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 and have a heart for them. But the truth of the matter is, I cannot save them. I cannot set them free. And if they're pitted against God, man, their knee will bow. The Bible says every knee will bow. Are you going to do it by your own power or are you going to force them to make you bow? See, that's the question, not will you bow. How will you bow? <laughs> and those who refuse to bow, guys, it's a bad thing that's awaiting them. Alright, the last one here, and I'm, I'm done. He's coming again. Everyone better be ready. <laughs> that same passage that I read, to brothers and sisters, 1 Thessalonians 5, times and dates... We do not need to write to you, for know very well the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now think about a thief. Man, a thief doesn't. He doesn't tell you what he's doing. He doesn't send you a letter saying, now on the 5th of December, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to break in your house and I'm going to rob you blind. He doesn't leave a message on your answering machine or call you. Guys, he doesn't text you. He doesn't email you. No blog. But gives that pertinent information. Why? Because he doesn't want you to be ready. <laughs> That's how it works. There'll come a time and there won't be a warning. There'll come a time where it's gonna happen. He's coming. He's coming again. He came. He came and He died on the cross, but the next time He comes, it won't be as the suffering servant. It'll be as the Lord. Coming as the rightful King. King of kings and Lord of lords. Guys, that's how He'll be coming. And see, the truth of the matter is, it talks about in Ephesians... Well, well, turn with me to Ephesians 2. I'm almost at the end here, guys. Hang with me. Um, Ephesians 2 is very honest talking about Where we stand. Chapter 2, it starts out, he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. That's where we all start. The Bible says we start out dead in our transgressions and our sins. He goes on, he says, In which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Now I want you to to see this next verse. Man, this is where you are without a Savior. Without a Savior, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following his desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Man, what a time. Objects of wrath. We were headed for a collision with a holy God. Objects of wrath. But man, I'm so thankful for this next verse, guys. This is good. The next verse he says, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seed us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. (laughs) So, here's a simple question. Who is Jesus to you? Is He the one that changed it all? Is He the one that entered your life? Is He the one that breathed spiritual life into you and made you alive in Christ? Raised you up by His power? Because that's what's offered to you. Guys, that's the hope. you got to get that right because when He's coming again, you better have it right. And I don't know when it'll be, so make sure it's Right? <laughs> And that's, as I close here, man, that's real important. Make sure you got it nailed down. Make sure it's right. Make sure Jesus is your Savior. Make sure He's your hope. Make sure He's your life. Now, let me preach this a little bit as we get to the end of this thing. For those of us who have already bowed our hearts to Jesus, we've already said, man, I'm not getting heaven except by Jesus and what He did at Calvary and His love. That's not the question question is, what am I doing in the meantime? What do people see when they look at me, at my life? Do they see somebody who knows and loves Jesus? Because that's critical. Um, in a Marie Chapian's book, Of Whom the World Was Not Worthy, uh, there are stories in there about a corrupt church of Yugoslavia. And one of the stories is about a evangelist who is named uh, Jacob. And Jacob went and he visited this older man named Simmer, Simmerman. And he tried to share with him the Gospel. And Simmerman said, you know, I really don't want to hear it, Jacob. Man, those, those church people, they... They wore those phony robes and crosses, but man they stole us blind. And there were people that ended up dying because of their treachery, and I don't I I don't want to be associated with anybody like that, so I don't want to hear it. And so this evangelist he, he just said, I'm just gonna love him. And so he'd pray for him, he'd love him, and he was looking for those openings to share, and and one time he was sharing with him, and he got mad. <laughs> And that older man, he said, my old nephew died because of them. Don't talk to me about that. And here's what Jacob shared. He said, Simmerman, can I ask you a question? Suppose I were to steal your coat, put it on and break into a bank. Suppose further that the police sighted me running in the distance, but could not catch up with me. One clue, however, put them onto your track. They recognized your coat. What would you say to them if they came to your house and accused you of breaking into the bank? And Simmerman said, well, I would deny it. But they said, but we saw your coat. Jack said, I don't want to hear it. He said, get out of here. So the evangelist, he would come back occasionally and he would visit Simmerman. He came back one day and the old man began to cry. And he said, I want to hear about Jesus now. And so he told him the old, old story that is never old. That Jesus came and He lived. And He died on that old tree. They placed Him in the tomb, raised from the grave at the right hand of the Father. He's the hope. And Jacob said, Trust in Him and you'll be forgiven. And so he did. The old man stood up crying and he hugged that evangelist's neck. And as he looked up, He said to that evangelist with teary eyes, He said, You wear His coat well, my friend. Now, as as we leave this place, those of you who already say I'm the child of God, my charge to each of us, wear His coat well. Guys, He is coming again. He is coming again. Let's pray. Lord, do We're thinking about Christmas, the fact that you came. Throughout Scripture, you said, He's coming, He's coming, He's coming, and then you came. And you're going to come again. Father, here we are. You know us. What do you want now, this invitation time? Is there someone here who needs to come and to trust you for salvation and forgiveness and a new start? Lord, I pray that person now would pray. Lord, here I am. Forgive me of my sin. You are the Savior. You are the hope. And that they would just trust You for that new life, Lord. Come down and tell us about it, Lord. And I pray, Father, that others who need to trust You for life, whatever it is, maybe, Father, for some reason um, they're wearing Your coat, but they're not living Your life. I pray that would change right now. I pray You'd grab a hold of That person's heart. And if there's some area in my life, Lord, don't let me rest. Poke me, Lord. Uh, Father, here we are, God. We need You, Lord. It's that simple. We need You, Lord. I pray this thing we call invitation, we would just do what You say. If we need to come to this altar and pray, may we come. We need to come before Your people and make a statement saying, Lord, whatever You want us to say, we need to come. And I just pray, Lord, that freedom would be here. That the Holy Spirit would move. And that we would just obey. So have your time now, Lord. In Christ's name we ask Amen.